0: I'm in love with
1: open the voice gate for june 7th 2022 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find us on the voices of wrestling podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications you can follow us on twitter at open voice gate if you'd like to donate to the show click the link in the show notes i'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site you click the red box to says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. It's a busy week. It's Mike. I'm with Case as always. Case, how are you?
0: I'm good. I, You know, under normal circumstances, I think we'd carve out a half hour and talk about the Rolling Stone list that was just released of the top 200 hip-hop albums of all time. Obviously, when you think hip-hop, you think Case Low and Mike Spears, and we are the kind of guys that would tackle that sort of thing. But unfortunately, I think we have too much Dragon Gate to talk about this week.
1: It it seems like we have too much Dragon Gate, and it's a shame because I did finally catch up with Barry last night. Oh, my God,
0: no. Oh, my God.
1: So, blockheads might... uh, Eventually, we will do blockheads one way or
0: another, but... No, no. Barry Season 3 is beyond fucked and i normally don't cuss on this show in the first hour but that's the only logical way i can describe it and i was talking to a co-worker about this show somebody who's never seen it and, and i was explaining to them you know i was in from season one episode one and after the first season i said i don't want this show to be renewed there's no way they can top what they did in season one and then they did season two and they blew season one out of the water. And so for season three, all bets were off. I was fully expecting anything. And it's not necessarily, like, I don't think the right word is cliffhanger, but every episode, there is a turn that I do not see coming. And every time at the end of every episode, Sunday evenings, my jaw is on the floor. Mike, have you read what Bill Hader has said about the season finale that's coming up this week?
1: No, I haven't because I've been because it's just been something that I, I I've not stuck with it every week. I like like carving out an hour for Barry, so I get back to back and I can kind of synthesize about what happened because I feel like the season you kind of do need to take a step back. And I know we've talked about it, but. I I I have not seen it because yeah they do eight episode seasons next episode is the finale for this one and I don't know where they go to for here at this point like the no storyline is coming close to wrapping up other than the fact that Albert Wen is the only person who actually understands what's going on here
0: so I will say this and I do not think it's a spoiler I apologize if this gives too much away But Bill Hader said in an interview this week that the guy that does color correction on Barry can normally knock out an episode in an entire day. And he told Bill Hader that it took him multiple days to color correct this episode. That's insane. Because he found it to be so emotionally draining. And that when Bill Hader showed the season finale to the cast members, that some of them were like, yo this is this is fucked up like the place you took us to in this episode is fucked up so which is wild case because they've
1: pretty much brought everyone low leading into the finale the only person who i would say is on somewhat of a mild upward trajectory is gene
0: yes gene is on an upward trajectory and i think i'm i'm so intrigued because see the the last episode leaves off with Fuchs in the interrogation room and his character can swing either way because I don't know where his loyalty lies with Barry at this point because you could make an argument that he's on the upward trajectory as well because he's finally got a chance to, to get one over on Barry, but it also seemed like from that interrogation that he was... Loyal to him to a degree, so if he's maybe he's at a neutral playing field. Gene is on the upswing, and everybody else in this show, you know, Gene and Darcy Carden are on the upswings, and everybody. Darcy else, is winning. Darcy oh has God. won Dar- the show. oh Darcy Carden. If she wasn't already married, I would, I would make a move. She is wife material <laughs> personified. Um, her character is just incredible, and then everybody else in this show is just. Their life sucks. The pit of hell, the depths of humanity, rock bottom. They could not be doing any worse. It's, it is really other than the Sopranos and maybe that season of Louie, where he was gunning for the late show job. To me, this is the best TV I've ever seen. I think that highly of it. And I, I am not a movie guy by any means. My favorite movies are boys in the hood and monsters Inc and 40 year old virgin, uh, but I am a TV guy, and I think Barry is as good of TV as I've ever seen.
1: I, I stopped answering favorite movie questions 10 years ago, Kate. Okay?
0: Well, that's because what? You, it's probably some European film that I haven't seen.
1: Well, it's because I don't have one. <laughs> and, and, and they always ask someone who has like any sort of like film studies background. It's like, oh, so what's your favorite movie? Recommend me I'm like, I never want to do that because everyone has their own unique palette and tastes. But so so when people like, well, whenever like you have to give me one, I say Big Lebowski and let us move on.
0: Yeah, that's I, that's me with Boys in the Hood, which I've been I've been going on a few dates with this one girl. And I mentioned that to her because she's a big film person and not expecting her to have seen Boys in the Hood. But then she had and We had a nice conversation about it, which was which was nice. That was a big, big win for me.
1: Hey, hey, I mean, you, you, sometimes you have to see if, if people know like like 90s films like that, you know, like because like for. I, I would say that with, like, our age difference and the generation difference, I would say that, like, that was, like, the biggest thing I would experience it, whenever I would do a little bit of student teaching was, like, wow, okay, undergrads don't know a thing about, like, just, like, it, it, it was like they heard of Pulp Fiction, but not of Reservoir Dogs. It was, like, not an understanding of the 90s outside of the major studio system.
0: That yeah, I, I, of course, am the wrong person to ask because my entire life has i've been i've said okay well the internet has everything so i might as well try and watch everything i might as well consume as much information as humanly possible but i have learned that the people of my generation don't necessarily see eye to eye with me on that i just blew somebody's mind at work because i not only had heard of the band camper van beethoven but i knew a lot about camper van beethoven because i liked them a lot and this is not the episode to get into Cracker's Kerosene Hat and how that is one of the best albums of the 90s, but it is. It just objectively isn't low as is as good of an alt-rock single as there's ever been. And me going on this diatribe in a meeting a few weeks ago really impressed like, a higher-up that I work with. He was like, God, Case, I, just, I didn't know 23-year-olds knew about Camper Van Beethoven. And I was like, well, they don't, but I'm, I'm built different. I do.
1: And, and if there's one thing that we've learned, and I, I would say that the higher-up needs to learn is that Case Low is built different.
0: I'm built different. I'm built different, much like Dragon Gate, much like Mochizuki Jr., who we'll talk about in just a little bit. And There's a lot of things to look on over this past week in the Dragon System and go, God, they are built different. I mean, what you said last week about how there is so much going wrong in wrestling right now, it is amazing that Dragon Gate is doing so much right I think this was the showcase for that theory, this King of Gate finale, the Tori Mon reunion show, and even the Kobe Sambo Hall show, uh, the three shows that we're going to talk about today. It was there there were no match the year contenders. I don't even know if I had a four star match on any of these shows, but oh, my God, from start to finish, were these shows not only fun to watch, they were newsworthy, they were important and they are the kind of thing that I can look back and go, on and go yep, that's why I like Dragon Gate. These shows right here, really good stuff.
1: Yeah, I do have four star matches that we'll get into with it, but because of how me- how much to talk about, like we are going to do this kind of by topic, and we are going to we will cover throughout this this episode of the program. We will cover the six two uh, King of Gate finals. We'll cover the six three Torimon Gym Jim reunion volume two and then as case mentioned the kobe sambo hall show from this sunday but the big lead topic and i have to say case okay, so this is something that as soon as we all got dialed in to and it, as soon as ada dropped out of the tournament it, it felt really clear to me but we have a first-time winner of king of gate lec barisan presented king of gate 2022 to determine dragon gates number one champion and at the end of June 2nd, Tokyo Cork and Hall Show, it was Yuki Yoshioka who won King of Gate. And he's already made his claim for getting the next Dream Gate shot, as we saw in Kobe. So it's it's full speed ahead for Yuki Yoshioka, it feels like. It's his summer, it might be.
0: And well-deserved. You know, my one prediction that I was 100% locked in on going into King of Gate, because it seemed like between Ata. Eita- and Coach Minora, and Yuki Yoshioka, who some people had pointed out before the tournament had started, hey, he might be a guy, and and KZ as well. It seemed like there were a lot of overall winners that were possible, but the one thing that I was 100% locked in on was that Yuki Yoshioka was going to defeat Yamato in the first round of the tournament, which he did. And from there, I wasn't quite sure where we were going to go. I could have seen Yoshioka losing to Diamante, I could have seen him losing to Shun. Neither of those results would have surprised me. In the end, he went over on both guys. His tournament, if you zoom out and look at it as a whole, he defeated Yamato on the May 11th Cork and Hall show. I went four and a quarter on that. He defeated UT on the May 24th uh, House show in Yamagata. I went three and three quarters on that. He defeated Diamante on the May 29th Osaka number two show. And I went four and a half stars on that. And then he defeated both Shun Skywalker in the semifinals and Kota Minora in the finals of the tournament on the June 2nd Cork and Hall show. uh, I gave the Shun Skywalker match three and a half and the finals of the tournament three and three quarters. Not only was Yoshioka the winner of the tournament, but but to me, undoubtedly the MVP of King of Gate 2022.
1: So I grabbed my old notebook. I was four and a quarter on against Yamato. I was I had it a second go in Kobe. I had him or not Kobe in Osaka versus Diamante. I had him at four and a half and that was my match of the tournament up until that point. And then I had him at four flat against June Skywalker and I had him at four and a half against Kota Minora. I I was astounded by him this tournament. He did not have a match in my books, below four stars. The first time I can remember anyone in Dragon Gate having this sort of a tournament performance. And at least for me, I was so dead set on Ata. It just felt like that everything was in the air. And it just made sense that he didn't really get a true run. But how to really b- make up for it? Well, you're your biggest star at this point, your biggest merch mover, well, you make him King of Gate. And when everything opens up this summer as it's slowly moving to... He gets that. So that was my logic there. But then after that, if I wasn't so dead set on Eita, I probably would have taken Yuki Yoshioka at least to the finals. Case It just felt like this because he's a bigger guy. He has the look. He's a decent promo. And we've all, we've known pretty much since day one, how nails he is in the ring. So just an unmitigated success for him. I think it's something that with Decourage being the main characters of Dragon Gate, really for the first half of 2022, it kind—I I don't want to say it was tipping a hand in a way, but Dragon Gate does have certain things that, if you read the tea leaves, I feel like you, you have a little bit more of a heads up or you anticipate it a little bit better, and that's why, like, I never bought into the KZ hype for this year; It just seemed completely implausible. But if you saw the tea leaves, I felt like that Yuki Okiyosha or Yoshioka had probably th- the most positive portents for this tournament, and it played out right into his hand.
0: Well, that's the thing with Yoshioka is that although neither of us initially picked him to win the tournament, this win is by no means a surprise. He essentially had the Coach menorah push of last year in King of Gate, but he ended up winning the tournament instead of losing in the finals. And it's it's well-deserved for Yoshioka. I, I cut out time last week, and I talked about how I don't think people up until now have realized just how good he is because he was constantly living in the shadow of Ben K and of Shun Skywalker and then he went away and then he came back and was under a mask for a year so we really went two full years without Yuki Oshioka as an entity and what he has done this year you know arguably the first quarter of the year and the first quarter of de Decour- courage really went to Dragon Dia he was the double champion he had the match with Fujiwara he was the focus of this group but would you say that from May 11th of this year through, as we're recording this June 7th of this year, over this past month, Yuki Yoshioka has increased his standing in the eyes of the Dragon Geek fan?
1: Oh, easily. Yes. I I, I would say that he, I, I don't think he is a capital G guy at this point, but they've set down the groundwork for him to become that. Like, he is just undoubtedly raised his station in the promotion, in my mind.
0: It's going to be an interesting few months because if you look back at some of the more recent King of Gate winners, let's cross out 2017 and that T-Hawk win from existence, but 2018 Masao Yoshino wins, 2019 Ben K wins, 2020 H wins, 2021 KZ wins, those are all guys with a capital G weirdly, you can make the argument that Ben K is not a guy anymore. That's a discussion we might get into on this podcast, but at the time of them winning the tournament, those were guys with a capital G I would uh, say that KZ winning, arguably cemented his status as a guy with a capital G. Maybe he was there a little bit before that, but Yoshioka has the least stature of any of the last five King of gate winners, but he has that momentum that those guys had. And he's now in a position to where, let's say he he has a great weekend in Fukuoka this weekend, and then he goes on to Kobe world and he has a great match there because realistically he could leave Kobe world as the open, the dream gate champion. And it wouldn't shock me. And I also think he would be deserving of that position. His acceleration is, uh, or his, his rise to the top rather is going to be very accelerated. And I fully believe that he's capable of handling that top spot not for the ace run. This isn't a Yamato Dreamgate win like it was in 2016. This isn't even a Ben K in 2019 Dreamgate uh, win. But Yoshioka winning the title in 2022 is very feasible and very realistic and something that I think he could handle a uh, four to five month run atop the company.
1: And if you like, want to take a step back and look at the company in a macro sense, and I, it, it, it's one of those kind of... Uh, to do's right now, the company is at a place right now where they did twenty three hundred over two days in Cork, and then a thousand of that was for this tournament. They will be the the. Are there questions about Yuki o- Yoshioka up top? Yes, Yuki has a lot of questions about it. That he's on, he's completely unproven. But is it something where the company is in a healthy space and in a, in a position where they can try this with him? Whereas I would say that. Nearly every other conglomerate or non-conglomerate and some conglomerate promotions really can't afford to take a test right here. Yeah, J- Dragon Gate has put themselves in a situation where they could give the ball to Yuki Oshioka and see where he goes with it. And it's something that the company's been high on him for a long time. Case like I, I remember us talking with Jay and other people around the company that they were all pretty much at one point saying like yeah no he's going to be a good he's going to be a star we just kind of have to give him some time and they were just waiting for the right time to pull the trigger and it so it happened to be may and june of 2022 and it's something where i've seen enough of him and kai in the kobe preview that i'm i'm not already dashing my expectations like i did the Oshida match but it, it the, the, they've made the they've cleared the runway for yukio yoshioka and it's something that when we get into the back half of the year it'll be interesting to see how the other stuff is set up around the promotion to support him because that's something that i think we can see that we can say that with first time champions that in dragon gate there are some struggles that could happen but i guess the big question i want to ask you about this is so it's june 7th as we're recording this kobe worlds at the end of july what percentage chance to give uh, Yuki Yoshioka to win the Dream Gate at Kobe World Cannon Hall?
0: Okay, as of the time we're recording this, which means that we've seen one Yoshioka versus Kai preview tag match, a road to Kobe World, if you will. Hmm, that's an interesting question. I at, This will ebb and flow. This will change over the past year. Despite me being really locked into Dragon Gate, I have not had a good feel for the Dreamgate booking. Going back to December when I said, well, we'll record an emergency podcast if Kai wins the title. And oh boy, did Kai call our bluff. I think right now, as of the time we're recording this, I've got to go 60-40 Kai. 60- I Yeah, I think Kai's still the favorite. Um, really? Yes. Now again, that will change... I think we'll we'll get to a point, maybe even next week, where I'm 50-50. I think going into that match, I could certainly see myself seeing Yoshioka as the favorite. But I am just not sure that Yoshioka is the guy to beat Kai. You would know better than me off the top of your head... Can you remember how many heels have won the main event of Kobe world? Because that's something Drangi doesn't like to do. I'm not sure if it's ever happened, but if it has, you would be the guy to know.
1: If you're wondering why I said really, that's why I said really. Exactly. Uh, 2008 Shingo. That's it.
0: Is it crazy to say 50-50? Are you just so in favor of Yoshioka at this point?
1: I think you just have to give him the shot. I mean... You, you've laid down all the groundwork it would be really just uh it, it would just be some really short-sighted logic to be like oh we don't think you're ready and you know pull the football up like we've seen how that's ha- how that's harmed people's careers in this company i i think you have to like i if i were to put a percentage on it i'm 60 60 40 Yoshi, uh, yuki yoshioka at this point but i think you kind of have to all right, so, well,
0: I'm going to be sixty forty Kai, and we'll check in even next week after the Fukuoka shows and see where we're at.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's something that'll be a fun thing to track with this. It's just something that, even in 2008 with Shingo, he turned face very quickly after because that was the vacated title that Shima had to give up, and Shingo was a heel, and they don't like having heel champions coming out of Kobe World very often. Uh, looking at the rest of this Corkin card case, we had just... A lot of everything happening. They announced leading off that they were going to do the uh, second chance Dragon Scramble uh, elimination battle royal to decide the fourth single uh, semi final winner. Minorita sacrificed himself to let Minora one. And outside of really one other big thing, this was just felt kind of like a standard, very good Dragon Gate Corkin show.
0: Okay, so first of all, let me talk about this Battle Royal. The King of Gate 2022 Second Chance 28 Entrant Dragon Scramble Battle Royal was a work of art. This match accomplished so much in terms of capping off some of these King of Gate stories, enhancing the Minora-Minorita relationship, and also the Strong Machine J high-end story, which concluded later in this night. This was one of those matches that very easily could have been, all right, come in, let me throw you over the top rope, come in, let me throw you over the top rope, come in, let me throw you over the top rope. This match set the tone for the rest of the show. This was such an effective and efficient battle royal, and I thought it was so much fun. So job well done. I would love to know uh, who laid this match out, and God forbid I speculate on who's running things backstage on Dragon Gate for for the record, and we'll talk about this more with you up the Open at Triangle Gate Championship uh until a specific source of ours reaches out to us and confirms what Dave Meltzer said in the wrestling observer newsletter this past week i disagree with dave's reporting and i believe i have the track record to say that i disagree with dave's reporting i don't know who he's talking to but i have heard stuff that does not line up with what he does and quite frankly if you look at the observer over the past 4 or 5 years especially the big show reports look at Dave's writing and then go back and read my reviews over at com. If I am not directly giving Dave notes, Dave is curbing notes for me. I am more plugged into this promotion than he is. And until, and I'd be more than happy to admit that I'm wrong, but until a specific source of ours reaches out and says that what is in the observer, he can verify. I do not agree with Dave's reporting. We will circle back to this if it is appropriate, but I stand by uh, (laughs) what we said a week ago. Anyways. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll I'll let you talk here.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I stand by what we said two weeks ago. Um, I would not have ran the story. It's still something that I question any sort of vetting that the Wrestling Observer, now the entire website, has done towards this. And I, as I said, I stand by my reporting. And until I hear otherwise, I think that they're way out to lunch on this.
0: In, in the same way, and in, in, it's not to the extreme degree, but in the same way that Sean Ross Sapp is really plugged into AEW, Joe Lance is really plugged into Noah Newchpan we are the source for Gate and what we heard from multiple people. And I will reemphasize that because for unprompted. some reason, for from some reason, I feel like we didn't make ourselves clear enough two weeks ago from what we heard from multiple sources. I do not believe uh, what Brian Alvarez said. Uh, I certainly don't trust the source that Brian Alvarez got his information from. And it sounds like Dave uh, is relying on the same source, someone who I do not agree with. So again, I would be more than happy to enter a retraction, if that, uh, if that needs to take place, it does me no personal nor professional good to uh, uh, deny the fact that Nozawa would be, would be helping in Drangate booking. I don't care one way or another, but I do want to be sure that I am conveying the information that I believe, and right now I do not believe Dave's reporting. Again, if information comes across my feed, I would be more than happy to say that I'm wrong. It does me, again, no harm uh, nor any good to to you know, except the fact that Nozawa has a helping hand in booking. But for now, I stand by what we said two weeks ago. But anyways, the Dragon Scramble Battle Royal was phenomenal. And oddly enough, maybe this goes to our point, I think this King of Gate show, even more so than the Toriumon reunion, this June 2nd King of Gate finale show felt like I was watching a Toriumon show from 2002. The pacing of it, the match lengths, the angles, all felt like vintage Ultimo, which makes sense given, you know, what we've heard and what has been said on this podcast by Jay of Ultimo's growing creative influence. Obviously, he designed the La Australia character. He is patterning Dragon Daya after Yuto, uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? I just forgot his name. It is Yuto uh horigami the japanese professional skateboarder who won the gold medal and skateboarding street olympics last year that is what dragon Daya is currently based off of there's a lot of ultimo dragon fingerprints in this promotion right now which again makes the nozawa stuff a little harder to believe because this show felt like social dance era toriamon and that has you know i think good and bad elements to it it is so detached right now from say 2011 dragon gate would you be in agreement with me mike that this promotion feels so much more like 2002 torymon than it does 2011 dragon gate
1: i would say that this feels that 2022 uh, dragon gate feels as much like a torymon promotion as it has any time in it's since 2004
0: yes completely agreed it was joe gagney who pointed this out and i'm glad that he did where all told, there was barely an hour of wrestling on this show, but this was almost a, a you know a three-hour show given the amount of promos and angles that took place. And again, if you're looking at this, if Dragon Gate has been your source of great wrestling for the past, you know, four or five years, decade, however long, and you sit down and you expect to see a four and a quarter star match here and a four and a half star match here, this is not that promotion right now, but this is, you know, especially for someone like myself who hasn't enjoyed Dynamite lately, this is like the best wrestling TV show there is right now. These Dragon Gate Cork and Hall shows that are loaded with angles and are really fast paced. There's a lot of different things happening. I really like the show. Now, I did not like everything on this show, and I specifically want to get your thoughts on this Kota Minora versus Shuji Kondo match. I wrote about it in my review. I'll, I'll reemphasize my thoughts in just a second, but I want to hear yours first. Like, What did you think of this semifinals match?
1: Well, they, they already, through the Dragon Scramble case, laid out, and we had even more evidence afterwards at the Torymon Reunion. Gold class are tweeners now, and this was a tweener match where basically uh, Minerita cost Kondo the match, and I felt like that Kota Minenora was playing much more heavy heel than he ever really has before leading up to this like was i bummed that shuji kondo's uh miracle run ended here yeah but i, I as soon as and, and i don't know if this is if this is a positive or a negative case i sniffed out what was happening with all what with all the dragon system i've watched through over the years very quickly and i was like all right i don't think that kondo is going to get past this and you know six minutes and it being mainly around minarita and then Koda faking that he was hurt from the dragon scramble kind of it kind of put, underlined that point a couple times the format
0: here's the thing about gold class now, i was going to bring this up at some point i'm glad you brought it up here i think gold class are tweener's if not full blown heels because if they line up against vibes or against high end they are going to be heels obviously if they line up against zebrats that's where you see them slide into a babyface role but gold class against d courage or m3k or Paros, that is a heel unit and that is something that I, i've seen a lot of conjecture on the japanese accounts that i follow which again very small sample size i don't want it to speak for the entire fan base but there's a lot of comments of oh there's three heel units in dragon gate right now there's obviously zebrats there's Parastel ball depending on who there's they're up against and there's gold class and in this menorah minorito relationship which i love and i think this unit is is terrific and i'm so glad they've gone in this direction with menorah as the spotlight but these are guys who in march to me came across like baby faces and now come across like uber heels and i think i like this incarnation of gold class a little bit less than i did during their launch but still this is a unit that is firing on all cylinders for me but i i, I mean I don't know, to me, they're, they're almost a full-blown heel unit at this point.
1: Heels in the way that Naruki Doi's heel persona kind of became a, the lovable jackass towards the end of it. But the thing is that Ishida doesn't show that edge whatsoever, and Kota Menonora's... I, I don't know what Ultimo was watching to think that Kota Menonora just needs to be an airhead. But I don't know how that that works with this i I, I guess I kind of look like this and we'll talk more about m3 k in a bit, but it it's something where maybe you have so many you you, you kind of have like a little bit of a bayface army going on right now that helps even it out. but it's a lot of weight put on natural vibes because natural vibes. In a lot of different ways is like the mo is the super face unit and that's something that i did not anticipate when gold class came around i did not anticipate i thought gold class w- was out here eating high ends lunch and becoming the new super face unit after this but we've kind of seen over the uh, two months or the three months really since uh high end has been official that that's not really the case and it will be something that's going to be real interesting going forward because i still think we have enough people that they need to get a fifth unit out there that's not something just to support uh, mochizuki jr
0: and the, you know at the end of the day whether you align gold classes again this kind of floating tweeter unit heel unit that doesn't really matter but it is important to note that hey this is a unit that is drawing heal reactions there's people in japan that go god you know Coach Menor is a heel right now. This is very strange. Um, but yes, to your point, and I guess we can transition into the beauty that is Natural Vibes. They are the superface unit right now. And in my heart, in my brain, in my eyeballs, in my soul, Natural Vibes is the biggest babyface unit there's ever been. I cannot believe, as we sit here in June of 2022, this unit that I hated in 2018. That I loathe the return of in 2021. That I thought maybe it's a ruse, maybe KZ going to heal. There's no way that they are doing Natural Vibes again. They've never just done a unit again like this without some major rebranding, whether it's you know World One to World One International or something like that. Nope, this is just Natural Vibes, and this unit of KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, UT, Jackie Funky Kame, Jason Lee. And now Strong Machine J, biggest babyface unit in wrestling. I can't believe how much I love these guys. And why did no one tell me that Strong Machine J is a world-class breakdancer?
1: <laughs> Case, how, how many years have been calling for Strong Machine J to do something different?
0: this oh my god i it, it, it's this, this has is... been
1: this has been everything i've been wanting out of strong machine J since like the the first time his shoulder was acting up and he came back you it, know it's before been, it's been surgery. a three-year
0: battle because yeah you know my my journey with strong machine J has been a long one because in april of 2019 he debuted and i said i'll be damned that might have been the single greatest debut match i've ever seen and then by july of that year when the strong machines won the triangle gate belts at kobe world i said okay I've seen enough of this. I am ready for something new. And even six months ago, I was questioning, I don't know if there's something new. Like we're all rooting for this guy. He is clearly well liked. We know people that know him that say he's, he's the man, this guy, we want him to be a success because he is such a nice guy. And that's great, but nice guys don't always equal good professional wrestlers. And I just wasn't sure that he was going to get there, but Mike Spears. Was I right or was I right a few months ago when I said, pay attention to Strong Machine J? This guy is figuring it out. And he's still not all there, but oh my God, I'm as bullish on him as I am anyone in Drangate right now because this guy, we are watching someone in real time, week by week, month by month, show by show, figure out who he is. And that is so exciting when we watched him struggle for two and a half years. And it's something that
1: now, it, in a way, it, it's hard to say because he's masked and he has, like, the uh, covered in the eye ports. But don't you see the confidence in him already, Case? Didn't you, can't you already, like, tell that this guy is, like, yeah, Strong Machine J, of course, is his dad. Japanese wrestling legend, Super Strong Machine. Like, you're, you're doing what you need to do to, like, be, like, show, like, proper deference and, you know, the strong machine J or super strong machine might actually have been a gimmick that the dragon gate fan base would be well aware of that you could actually run with that but it it, it's something that like he was being his dad and it was something that frustrated me for so long case so when case when you said buy into him i was like i've been down this road too much for this guy i felt like he was just going to always be uh just be strong machine J, the son of super strong machine and there's a role for that in japanese wrestling like, like we've seen second generation wrestlers get that kind of role before but this like him first like the breakdancing and then second like he, just his body language you could tell that this is such a slam dunk for him and it's it, the thing i'm really excited about is we've seen the green mask we've seen his jacket now I I want to see his new gear. I I if he's going to be a new man, he's got to drop the uh, half singlet. You know, like leave your dad in the past, man.
0: Well, I think that I think the half singlet is okay. I would like to see a little bit of pizzazz added to it. I would like to see that natural vibes uh brush uh, a coat of paint rather put on that singlet. But I I think this is his look because it's a distinct look. And the one thing that I will always say about Dragon Gate, and I don't remember who said this, I wish I could credit them. It was. Oddly enough, someone on the Pro Wrestling Only forum who is not a fan of Dragon Gate, who has watched very little of it, but that person said the thing that I find so impressive is that this is a promotion based entirely off of units and guys wearing the same colors, and yet everybody looks different. And Strong Machine J has a different look from anybody else in vibe. So I would like to see him keep the half singlet, but you know, let's spice it up a little bit, baby. You're natural vibes now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just go get the Ross the paint and. It, it, it all it like he could get some piping on it like exactly uh, uh, unlike uh ishin who somehow whomever it is in kobe found the old stencil for Shingo takagi's old single and decided <laughs> to revive that did you notice that i Ooh,
0: did. Did, did That's that a not very good go, pull you're exactly right <laughs> did that thought go through your mind Case? because that went through my mind when i saw
1: ishin's new single. as soon as i was like Did they just, like, use the stencil they had for Shingo? Because it doesn't fit him exactly either. So, it's almost like they gave him one of Shingo's singlets, and they just put pink over the red or yellow.
0: Yeah, he's the the only guy in Dragon Gate history to ever take a step back with his his apparel, because all of these guys kind of gradually as they progress, they look better and better and better, and Ishan weirdly took a step backwards here. But as for Strong Machine J., You're exactly right. The way that he carries himself is different. And that, that was what I picked up on more than anything. I don't want to claim to be Bill Simmons, body language doctor, but around February, March, I started going, God, he's just, he's got a pep in his step that he did not have in the fall. This is a guy who, whether he was told good news or whether there was confidence instilled in him by his own will, there was something there that he figured out. And I think it's going to be a really interesting experiment I would challenge the listeners of the show. If you're looking for something to watch this week, go back to December of 2019. I believe it's that final Cork and Hall show of the year. There was that Ben K versus strong machine. J singles match and Cork and Hall. And by all accounts, people in the building that we talked to said that match was a disappointment. Those guys wanted that match to be better. And that match fell flat. And really Strong Machine J wasn't the same after that. He became a Triangle Gate champion for a very, very short period of time. COVID hit, he got hurt, and then he got stuck on that hamster wheel. And what we see now, just to compare that match December of 2019 to what he is now, might as well be a different human. And it's, it's great to see. I'm so glad that this guy is figuring it out. Natural vibes for me right now. Is they're 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 my unit, and I never would have thought that. And I mean, if I was going to a Dragon Gate show tomorrow, for as much as I like Courage and Z Brats guys and Z Brats, I think I'm I think I'm a natural vibes stand. Now I actually I might be an M3K stand, but we'll get to that. But natural vibes is the unit right now. They feel like Dragon Gate personified, and that's to me. I don't have any qualms, any questions, any concerns about them being the Super Face unit because when I think about what this company is right now it's natural vibes
1: yeah and it's something that it feels even more so i would say now that they have a full six they've restocked it it only took them a month to restock from dead or alive case like yamato man you really have dropped the ball a lot with high end i mean the natural vibes was was low like i i mean they lost Ginky and susumu and now they've retooled and i think the like unquestionably the strongest unit right now in dragon gate and probably outside of the generation war one of the strongest units we've had dating back to like original maximum
0: it is crazy to think that gold class swooped in eight high ends launch and then turn heel and high end is just they just have nothing to live for <laughs> they are just ruined but the case
1: uh, aren't you team high end
0: are you excited yeah i'm thrilled i mean look the 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 unit i think has transitioned from uh, really at times i thought last year being offensively bad to now they just exist but i guess this is this is ultimately the difference between, between drangate in 2022 and drangate in 2018 is that high end which just feels like a different version of Tribe Vanguard was responsible for leading the promotion at that time and they they had a heel unit that I thought was heavily flawed natural vibes to go back to that wasn't what they were and maximum was this work rate unit but even they you know between Kotoka's injuries and Yoshino's injuries and and getting that off the ground that had its its lumps Thank God this company doesn't have to rely on High End to be the one leading the charge forward. They have a great heel unit. They have Natural Vibes. They have D-Courage. They have M3K. High End is far and away in last place in terms of my enjoyment, but High End does not actively hurt this company, which is a wonderful position to be in, given that it's Yamato and Dragon Kid and Ben K. Realistically, those should be the guys first and foremost leading the charge, but thank God we're in a position where they don't have to be
1: yeah no absolutely and then looking at the rest of this king of gate finals we'll we'll, we'll talk about one of the other bigger events because it more pertains to the torymon reunion i think like the thing that really like struck me about this and why you said it was like the 2002 feeling was and going back to the dragon scramble like did you notice that Rio saito was like standing like right past the entranceway with like a notepad figuring out the card or acting <laughs> like he was figuring out the card during the dragon scramble it's such
0: a good gimmick it's so good i Really, You're doing great. You're doing I, great, Rio Saito. I don't. I don't know if he is or not. We'll talk about the open the Triangle Gate situation in a second. <laughs> Saito, Saito, he had to. You know, he fired up his Wrestle Universe this morning, sitting in his in his home, and he's just sweating watching Perro Stell Ball wrestle Stinger, which is a tough position for any human to be in. So Rio Saito, we'll we'll talk about him in just a little bit. But I, I love the way they handled the air quotes on the fly booking of this show, and then the air quotes on the fly booking of the Toriumon reunion show with Saito booking Ultimo Dragon in a singles match and him going, "Mm, not going to work for me, brother. (laughs) There was some really good stuff there. Closing out on the King of Gate finale, because we'll talk about Naruki Doi's baseball team and we'll talk about Dragon Daya versus Don Fuji when we get to that reunion show. But the finals of this tournament, Yoshioka versus Minora, I went three and three quarters on it. I believe you said you were at four and a quarter.
1: No, brother. I was at four and a half. I love this. Four and this a half. All I right. love this business.
0: Walk, Walk me through this business. Talk about this match because it did not hit for me as high as it did for you.
1: I just... It was something... That, like, they built up Yuki's neck in the semifinal. Like, that was what Shun Skywalker was. And it was nice seeing an edge from Kota Minor playing. The, the, although in the semifinal, it was all shenanigans. Minorita wasn't even out for the final. So it was more of a serious match there. We got a freaking bloody axe during this match. And it just kind of, like, really was getting to a point where like they were up on the turnbuckle and they had some really sick shots on it and the huge pop that the crowd got for the r301 kickout leading into the final stretch like the the last like five minutes of this like the like the kick out of the darkness buster the kick out of the inferno and then just he went halfway across the ring on that final frog splash to win the match Guys, it just it was something that like I I know UT is my favorite wrestler to watch in Dragon Gate, but it was something like taking a step back, and I'm like, I don't think I appreciate how good Yukio Shioka is. (laughs) And and that's kind of what this was here, and it was just really fascinating to watch this match that you have two guys that, I mean, were basically what you would consider young boys all before COVID, and then they become adult wrestlers in COVID, and they put on a match like this that I just thought they really kind of— Tapped in into something with Yuki Yoshioka, and he really showed why he was the man of the tournament, why he had five straight four star matches in a tournament for me, and why they had such confidence having such an untested commodity be at the forefront leading into Kobe World Cannon Hall.
0: Let me put a pin in that. I realized as you were talking, I never got your thoughts on the execution of minora versus Kondo. Real quick, 30 seconds or less. What did you think of that match? I thought it was really smart work. Okay. I. Th- I saw the story they were trying to tell, and I didn't... Ag- I I was very thrown off by Minoru's selling, and then I saw the end game was, oh, okay, he was bluffing, but it just it didn't work for me. The main event, boy, did that story get across, and boy, did I think Yoshioka looked like a world beater. It is just a matter of I did not like the match as much as you did, but still very, very solid.
1: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. It's just it's also something that strikes me about a reason why I'm not as high on Coda Menonora as others case. And that is the fact that I he names everything after Apex Legends. And it's the most it's the most zoomer shit possible. And as a millennial, I have to stand against that. Support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to us from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on America's number one meal service to make home cooking fast, fun, and affordable. Case, you know it just as much as me. It's America's number one meal kit for good reason.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, this is the summer of love. This is the summer of cooking. This is the summer of HelloFresh. And as you have your most intimate moments with your partner, I want you cooking that sun-dried tomato spaghetti. I want you cooking uh, that one-pot Southwest chicken soup with bulgur. I want you cooking that rigatoni with beef and and, and, uh, zucchini ragu. I want you cooking that. I want you smiling in your kitchen And I want you thinking about me and Mike Spears as you prepare your HelloFresh meals, because you don't have to do a lot of thinking. As I've said before, I am notoriously an idiot, but even I can follow these HelloFresh cooking instructions.
1: Yeah, they send you a great card each month. Or each week with your package, and it tells you basically everything to do. Like I'm someone that's notoriously clumsy, and you know it's hard for me to find some way to hurt myself cooking HelloFresh. And you know you even have the app to do that there. But the one of the great things about HelloFresh is they have 50 weekly options. Case mentioned some of them, so you can skip weeks when you need to change your delivery date, update your preferences, all in that friendly app that will teach you how to cook these things. I mean, it's a learning experience,
0: and you're eating at the same time. Case. I've never heard you get that excited before. We've talked about five-star matches, and I don't think you've ever hit that pitch, but that is just how fired up HelloFresh gets us. I can't recommend it enough. Look, as I've discussed on this show before, my dream summer is me and a lady of Chicago going to Montrose Beach. I sit there shirtless on the beach with a Mountain Dew spark in my hand. She's doing whatever she's doing. I want the confidence to take my shirt off in public this summer, and I'm only going to do that If I eat the healthy, fresh meals that HelloFresh delivers to my doorstep every single week.
1: And how do you get these meals? You go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and free, free gifts. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit. And Case, that was only the first night they had in Corican because we decided to invite some old friends, you know, talk about the old times and reminisce of the past era as we had the first Tori reunion in two and a half years at Tokyo Corican Hall on June 3rd. And no matter what happens with the show, no matter how it's remembered, it will be remembered explicitly for one thing, and that is Case. We have the debut of the first ever father and son duo in Dragon System history. We've had Riki Hashi. We have Adishan Nahashi. We've had Strong Machine J. But this is the first ever second generation wrestler from the Dragon System with the debut of Mitsuh- Masaharu Eto, a.k.a. Ryoto Mochizuki, a.k.a. now Mochizuki Jr.
0: If you don't think... Dragon Gate is going to make the biggest deal. Dare I say, if you don't think Dragon Gate is going to be extra about the debut in subsequent eh, first year or so of the career of Mochizuki uh, of Mochizuki Jr., you are sorely mistaken. We saw them roll out the red carpet for Strong Machine J. We saw the hype that surrounded Ricky and Ishini Hashi. But this is one of Dragon Gate's own. And this debut, I, I, I've i said before, you know, a lot of these live shows, because of the nature of how early uh, in the morning I, I, I work, I'm able to kind of follow along. If I'm lucky, I can side-eye the Drangate Network. If I'm not very specifically avoiding spoilers for something, I've got the Discord pulled up, I'm on Twitter, I can see things going on. And there was this 15-minute stretch where I was not watching the show but I was following along and to get hit with the one, two punch of Masaki Mochizuki has a son and he's wrestling in Dragon Gate. And also Ultimo dragon said, fuck this. You're cheering on my show. It was the biggest whirlwind. I was so confused. I was flabbergasted, but oh my God, was I along for the ride And this Mochizuki jr. I am so excited to see what comes of him. I think as we get into the latter half of 2022, M3K is going to be the focal point of this promotion, and rightfully so. And oh my god, Mike, Masaki Bochizuki, one of the five greatest wrestlers of all time, has a son, and he's wrestling in Dragon Gate. Oh my god.
1: It, it was something that it took me... Uh, when I discovered the news, it took me about five minutes to, to like properly synthesize. Like, it, it it's something that if you're listening to this show, if you know, you know. But just the, the fact that Masaki Mochizuki pulled this off is like one of those just insane things. And the company is so beside itself about Ryoto slash Mochi Junior. It's it's something that I can't like impress. How intimidating it must have been to not only be debuting in pro wrestling, but you're debuting as Misaki Mochizuki's son, and he's reforming M2K with you. And they basically base this entire show with some other things around the fact that you exist.
0: And, Case, did you see Mochizuki Jr. look like he was overwhelmed in the moment? The interesting thing with Mochizuki Jr., and this was apparent in the main event of this show on the house show match, and the date on that show, that was on, what was this, the third? The Tori mind Reunion Show was the third. The house show and Aichi on June 4th. The Natural Vibes versus M3K matches on YouTube. Go watch it. It is a very good to legitimately great match, depending on who you ask. But between the main event of this show, the house show on Aichi, and the Kobe Sambo Hall show on the 5th, Mochizuki Jr. did not look overwhelmed, but it is interesting. And I think a testament to Dragon Gate, where there were times, and this will be a backhanded compliment essentially, there were times where he had to take a second to get into the right spot. And that is just something that you don't see in this promotion. That was so interesting to me to watch a guy who can clearly perform with the likes of a Susumi Mochizuki an and a Masaki Mochizuki and a Shuji Kondo. He can wrestle in the same ring as them, but he is not on that level. There were just those times, especially in his debut, where they had to take a second and maybe point him in the right spot or maybe he had to get on the other side of the ring. And it's a testament to how good Dragon Gate is, but the fact that those are the blemishes on Mochizuki Jr.'s debut record is, okay, yes, he didn't exactly nail the corner kick, and his maybe he was in the wrong place by a foot on a few of these spots that is a job well done. That is a round of applause. This guy is going to be uh, I cared for. He's going to be treated properly, and he is going to be, if he wants to be, assuming he can handle the pressure, which from his first three matches I have no reason to believe he will not, he is going to be a big deal. We talk about SB Kento, we talk about Takuma Fujiwara. I don't think it's unrealistic to say we might as well throw Mochizuki Jr. on that list of future guys with a capital G. Yeah,
1: and if anything, and I I don't say this in a way of dismissing Mochizuki Jr., if anything, he has a case of being born on third base. Like, they are going to give him every opportunity. And as we're saying, like, other than, like, natural slip-ups, I mean, you don't really see people going for Senkaku carries in the <laughs> debut match <Exactly>. that often. <laughs> so like,
0: Normally, I, it's I, a knife-edge chop and maybe a vertical suplex. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, like, he was doing that and that. So,
1: the fact that he slipped getting up to the turnbuckle for it, well, okay, it's your debut match. But in comparison to SBK and Fujiwara, this is a guy that has instantly... 50 years of backstory to do. And it's the fact that, uh, Masaki Mochizuki is, is a cornerstone of this promotion for 25 years. Masaki Mochizuki was one of the three stars that built Torium on. It's going to, uh, it's going to take a lot for Mochizuki jr. To there's got to, to be a lot of things that goes wrong. There, there's a second generation wrestler, that I'm thinking of off the top of my head that everything did go wrong and it would take that kind of scenario for them.
0: Just because sometimes I'm dull and I, I don't always read your Dai mind. Oh, oh my God, that's it. that's it. Oh, that's oh a perfect comp. This is why you're such a good co-host. That, that is exactly it. I mean, it, it is going to take a, a level of mistaken error that is just not seen in Dragon Gate from a talent standpoint for Mochizuki jr to not become one of these guys again this this m3k i said this last week you know maybe maybe newer fans of the product don't realize just how big of a deal m2k was and the fact that they were slotting him into that position was a big deal and we didn't know just how big of a deal it was going to be this m3k thing is a big deal like you said mike they built this toryamon reunion show around him i mean this was his show this was his showcase and I'm, I'm thrilled with his debut. I, I think this is going to be the coolest thing, especially for longtime Dragon Gate fans, or at least big Masaki Mochizuki fans. That's, the, that's my prevailing thought coming out of this. It's not deep. It's not poetic by any means. I just think this is going to be really cool as we see this unfold.
1: And it's something that we've now see how M3K is. And we've seen, at least in their first three matches, they're doing something that's very, very interesting. They're doing something that's very counter to typical Japanese rookies. Uh, Masaki Mochizuki is making everyone make sure that Mochizuki Jr. wins every match to the point of ordering uh, or negotiating of Susumu and Kanda to leave the, the Royal Sambo on Sunday. He is an overprotective sports dad, and that's the world we live in now. And I find that fascinating. Here's my thing on nepotism. You ready for this take, Mike? Okay, this is big case. What is your big theory on nepotism?
0: I don't care if nepotism gets your foot in the door. If you're talented enough to stand your ground once you're there, to me, you are more than welcome to stay there. Because if I wanted to be a musician and I had rock star parents, I would sure as hell hope that they use every contact they have to help me succeed. And if Masaki Mochizuki wants to be a little, uh, play into nepotism a little bit and help Mochizuki Jr., ascend to this point of the card as long as mochizuki jr can hang in this spot he is more than welcome to do so i love i love that they had him get the pinfall at his debut that mochizuki senior now as well i guess we'll call him masaki mochizuki played defense on ut to get a count out victory for his son at the house show and i cackled At the finish of the Royal Sambo Battle Royal, I love what they're doing with him,
1: and and it's something that we'll we'll talk more about it as when we get to it. It's very clear what the road ahead for M3K is, right? Like they, it's clear that that at least to me, that M3K are the ones that are going to get the belts back.
0: So yes, let us let's, let's rip this bandit off now. We're recording this podcast. As of right now, Stinger are the Open the Triangle Gate champions. I forget what combination of guys there are, but Yoshinario Gawa is an Open the Triangle Gate champion.
1: Uh Seki uh, Yoshioka is one of the two, I think.
0: As he, oh my well let's let, let me find out. I have pure Love open. So right now the current Open the Triangle Gate champions are Yoshinario Ogawa, Seki Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu. By the time most of you hear this. I fully anticipate Daisuke Harada at Sushi Kotoge and Yohei, of all people, to become the Open, the Triangle Gate champions. What they have done this entire year is there have been zero successful defenses of the Triangle Gate belts going back to that ill-fated Jason Lee Coach Minoru Shun Skywalker team. Ata uh, Hyo, and Ishida dropped the belt in one defense. JFK, KZ, and UT dropped the belt in one defense. They only had the titles for 13 days. Ishida, Minora, and Doi dropped the belt in one defense. And Ata Suzuki, and Nozawa dropped the belt in one defense. These guys have not been able to successfully successfully retain the Triangle Gate belts in any match this year. I fully expect Stinger to join that party. And whether M3K is defeating the trio of Harada, Katoge, and Yohei for the belts... Or if there's another team in between that wins them from that Noah trio, I do not know. But I fully expect these belts to bounce around until they get to M3K, in which they will have a prolonged reign.
1: And this is not an uncommon thing, just to counter the Nosawa thing. Like, when Union Shuffles happen, belts become a little bit more dynamic, and the triangle gate is just the. I think this belt will probably bounce around a lot until it lands back on Paros. And then Paros will lose M3K at Kobe world.
0: I thought they were going to tell this story with gold class. I saw what they were doing at the start of the year. And I thought it was just going to be okay. You know, the weird masquerade team, they had no defenses, the dying days of red They had no defenses, natural vibes. They had no defenses. Once gold class won the belts, I thought this was the story they were going to tell then. And I believe I voiced that on this podcast. Uh, but now we see that there's even a, a larger game in play here because at the time I was unaware of the existence of Masaki Mochizuki's professional wrestling son. That's a game changer. That changes my booking philosophy a little bit. But I fully expect.
1: <laughs> in uh, c- c- case to be <laughs> fair, we were not aware that Masaki Mochizuki had children up until the Young Bucks wrote the book. You know, yes. like that's just something that 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 I feel like should be stressed for international fans. The veil between private life and public life has not been entirely pierced in Japanese Rora.
0: And I think Americans could learn something from that too, but I digress. Um,
1: No one cares about our business. Keep your business to yourself.
0: Uh, Look, if you're listening to this podcast and Stinger are still the Triangle Gate champions, I will be stunned. I don't think that's the end of the world. I don't think there's a booking power struggle going on, but I would be stunned if by the time most of you hear this, Ogawa, Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu are Open the Triangle Gate champion. So we'll obviously check, ba- check back in on that next week. It could be a case where Harada, Katoge, and Yohei win the belts, and then they wrestle in Fukuoka this week. And I don't know the NOAA schedule off the top of my head, but they've got three Fukuoka shows. They've got to have main events. It would not surprise me if one of those main events is an Open the Triangle Gate Championship. So again, we'll monitor that as we go along. Uh, real quick, let me throw, I'm assuming you haven't, but have you seen this June 8th Noah, Cork, and Hall card?
1: I am looking at Pure Love right now. I, I I see their yeah their their June eighth card oh god I did not re- I did not see their attendance yesterday okay <laughs>
0: oh yeah Ooh, 455. yeah oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> no yeah n- n- number two promotion Japan show me another fucking bar graph with that information you nerd um but what I do like on this show is look at that match number two that is uh, a very tasty match of Kotaro, Suzuki and Nozawa versus Alejandro Howo and Extreme Tiger. I'm gonna ha- I'm to have to fire up the uh, the Wrestle Universe when that gets on there and watch that. I I you know how I feel about Alejandro too. Like y- you're you're in on the Alejandro right? Big uh,
1: Alejandro guy. He was the one out of Russell one. I was wondering why he didn't get signed immediately.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff there. Uh, yeah, Noah regularly doing 450 in attendance. But as I kind of alluded to a few weeks ago, have you noticed? That all Japan is doing really well in Cork and Hall right now.
1: Yeah, and I wonder how much of it was their schedule at that point. They they, they are doing they are popping some numbers, but nothing like I thought. I saw like an an all Japan number that was like back in like the five hundreds recently. Well, he,
0: here's here's what I'm confused on. So March twelfth, they do two ninety six in Cork right. and Hall. It's headlined by an All Asia Tag Team Title Match. I mean, it's just it's. It's a non-show. Mio is in a six-man. There's a singles match of Yoshitatsu versus Kazuma Sakamoto. And then again, that that All-Asia Tag Man event, which is just nothing. But that Champion Carnival final, which was uh, Yuma uh, Aoyagi versus Jake Lee, which was known ahead of time, did 986. And this most recent, uh, this May 29th Cork and Hall show, with Miyahara versus T Hawk, which I heard was great, I have not seen it yet. That did nine oh five. That's a good, good number. For them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do with that because, <laughs> first I, of all, I just, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth in my life right now to care about All Japan, but that's double what Noah's doing, and I just don't, I don't follow All Japan close enough to know what to do with that information. But I think I'm good for them Two 900 uh, uh, crowds in a row in Cork Hall for them. I, that is a, that is a massive win.
1: Yeah. And then now that I'm looking at it up, I, I, I guess with them, I, I just would say observe for a couple months, then draw your conclusions. I feel like it's too early in my opinion.
0: Look, there is a, a continuous trend in that company of whenever T Hawk and Lindeman are in main event matches. That is when they do their best numbers. And, some people might not like to hear that, but T Hawk and Lindeman are a draw in all Japan.
1: And it's funny where they're not a draw
0: in their home promotion.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Serve that one right over the plate.
0: Uh, you know, you do a podcast with Mike Spears long enough, you pick up on some of his hints. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, with uh, going back to Mochizuki Junior and going back to the uh, the general situation in the in the promotion, uh, we had Mochi Junior come in, but that also came pretty soon off the heels of that i think it was like the next day we got news that another member of the class of 2022 has fallen ricky ohashi has retired there's not going to be a retirement match there's not going to be any ceremony he is out of the wrestling business and i i don't think we're going to expect to ever see him
0: no we I, we have on very reliable source that this is a guy who just did not enjoy his professional wrestling career uh in that for what whatever reason it was just not the profession that he wanted to be in and he got out. I saw a lot of people making a really big deal about him not getting a retirement match or at least opting out of the the choice to have a retirement match. I I don't how did you read that because to me it was just I, I editorialized it as possibly shame that he was retiring. Some people editorialized it as no he has beef with something or someone and we now have a reliable source saying, no, nah, it's just that he didn't, didn't really like wrestling.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's something that Shoya's retirement probably was the deal because of how long he was around and the fact that they made a deal about him in his hometown and he did a lot of promotion there. So that was kind of an aberration for people who really have not spent a long time to get a retirement match. I mean, Sora Fujikawa didn't get one. Uh, others haven't that debuted and, and left there. I don't. I it, it, Unless Riki Ahashi started doing Kota Bushi tweets, I think that people are just speculating because that's how they choose to, to read the TLEs. Before we heard that, I assumed either shame or the fact that maybe his injury just was going to t- not going to be on a time frame and he wanted to move on in life. I mean, the, the, the bigger thing I think that's worth talking about in terms of these retirements are it's not the younger wrestlers or the younger trainees that are retiring. Shoya was 29. Riki Hashi turns 26 uh, next month. Sora Chikawa, I think now is 27, but he was significantly older than the other three there. I think that's... It, it, if there's something you want to get out of this scenario, it's, it's the fact that I think the older trainees kind of, you know... It, it's intimidating coming back from an injury like that. And when you're in your mid to late 20s do you really want to start like that and only get your career really going if you're in riki ahashi's position probably when you turn 29 30 like is that something and and that's even besides the fact that it seems like that he tried wrestling that discovered that really wasn't his thing and just got hurt and decided that was it for him
0: and also something that I emphasize, and, it, and it's hard because DraftKings is so good at debuting these rookies with a bang, and we get so excited, and we go, "Well, th- this guy could do this," and this is his comp, and and you know here's his five year plan. But as I will always emphasize, because we have learned the hard way, because I've been in that spot before, and I, I have unfortunately had to deal with the crushing reality that just not everybody makes it. And if you look at the history of the Dragon Dojo in that post-Torimon world, uh, did, did Lupin Matsutani, did he retire from injury? He got hurt a lot, man. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so let's, let's lump him in there. Let's just say Lupin was one of those guys. You obviously have the class of 2008 and 2009, which for multiple reasons did not work out. And then as you get into more modern history, you know Yamamura retired because of an injury. Katsumi Takashima, retired because of an injury. OG was Sh- older. Yes, and he was. OG Shiba retired because of an injury and I believe he was older, wasn't he?
1: I think OG now I had his age a while back. I think he he's in his mid twenties, am I Okay,
0: own. all right. But then again, you know, you, you go forward and okay, well you lose Fujikawa from the class of 20, and then you lose ricky Ihashi and Shoya Sato from the class of 21, but that's just the reality of professional wrestling. One of the things that I thought Jay did a really good job of on commentary was hammering home at the very end of 2021 when we got all of these guys together, these six wrestlers debuting roughly at the same time with the Ihashi brothers in September, Hayakawa, now minarita in October, and then Fujiwara, Fuda, and Sato in November was hey there were six guys that made it through the hell that was Green Boy status. They completed their training, and for six guys to come out of that is insane. And I said it when we talked about Gate of Origin when these guys debuted and we were so excited. Look, not all of these guys are going to make it. I think there are some people, and rightfully so, because it's two retirements on the heels of of each other that want to play safety police, or question the way that Dragon does things or wonder if this is a safe style or not. Look, this is just the reality of professional wrestling. I don't think it's an indictment on Dragon Gate. Uh it sucks. Look, I I thought Ricky Yahashi was going to be a star. Uh, his his natural charisma is one that I have seen in such few wrestlers. I I, I really believe that he is someone who could have projected in a hotel conference room center in front of 200 people in Sendai. He's somebody that could have projected in Kobe world, Kenan hall. He had that sort of charisma in my eyes. And it's a bummer that we're not going to see him uh, and his career play out, but that's just the reality of pro wrestling. And you know what? Let's, let's take the example of UT UT was really young when he debuted and UT spent five or six years in injury. Hell, and if he had debuted and he was 25, he probably just would have hung it up. He didn't. He was young. Now we see how great he is. I'm so glad he's on the roster. But these older guys, that time frame is much, much smaller. That window of success is much smaller. And we're seeing the reality of that play out.
1: Yeah. And you just explain my point a lot better than I could about this. The last thing to really keep in mind is... This is always a law of averages with rookies to see who's going to really stick it out there. And, you know, this was the largest class that they had since Tori Mondays. So losing two at this rate does not feel like a disaster because, I mean, they lost one in 2020. They lost one in 2016. And you keep on going back, and there's lots there's people that just don't make it. And I don't know if I necessarily... Like, the injury, injury police thing, the one thing I could say is maybe in shoya sato's case you take a step back and you go maybe not good for you to do this given your history but who's to say what's going to happen in the ring you know like like what like madoka kakuda you know you do a you, you do a drop toe hold and you dislocate your shoulder and you're out for a year you you can't plan and you can't safety police stuff like that some things just happen it's just happened
0: and we'll try to get an update on Ryu Fuda. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of silence on that end as well, but uh, we'll see if we can get an update on that because he is still on the shelf as well.
1: Right, right. But getting back to the Toriman reunion, we did want to make sure to talk about Riki here. The, the, the big thing, I, I did not write this in my written review, but now that I've sat with this over the weekend case and we talked about uh, kind of in terms of, I, I hate to constantly bring this up, in terms of like the Nosawa thing, this was an ultimate this was an show. Oh this my God, was yeah. this was in 2019 when ultimo came back case this was the things we were kind of worried about but when it's done like on this kind of show where it's supposed to be an ultimo show it was great i th- i had such a fun time watching the show
0: yeah this is and i i feel sorry about the cork and hall show and this show where normally i can come on here and i can say this is essential viewing this is essential viewing go watch this immediately I think the best way to consume this past week's shows is you have to watch them from start to finish. And they're not long shows. And there's English commentary for both of them. But it would be really hard for me to go on the Tory Mind Reunion show with the exception of the main event to go, yep, you're going to want to watch that because it just flowed so well. It was nostalgia wrestling done right. It was fun. It was lighthearted. It served its purpose. It didn't overstay its welcome. It was just fun to watch. It, it, and it's
1: fun to see someone like Ultimo out there, really in his element, throughout the, the three hours
0: there. R- wrestling wrestling in a six man tag and not a singles match.
1: <laughs> uh, unilaterally deciding people can cheer, uh, wrestling in a six man tag with someone that
0: notable that 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 he's kept there. By the way, and they made into a six man tag. Yeah, I, you know, also yeah. Ultimo's got his friends. I mean, they'll look, it's it's very funny to me now, as you know, you and I were talking over the weekend about how. We just passed the four-year anniversary and next year will be five years of the OWE split. And, you know, it took another year for Ultimo to come back into the fold. And and I had such intense paranoia in the summer and fall of 2019 of what Dragon Gate with Ultimo Dragon was going to look like because Ultimo has his old luchador friends and he has his late stage eratorium Torimon trainees that he is loyal to and and you know, I, I you know it's a, it's a complicated situation on multiple fronts with multiple wrestlers. It's not defending O'Hara by any means because what he's alleged of doing is just disgusting. But I was so concerned about just what Ultimo was going to do and the little things like bringing back Battle Royals. I was like, Nah, not in my Dragon gate. I do not want this shit here. Where's Shima at? Wait, let, let me let me go to Shanghai. You know, I, I let me see what's going on in Wrestle One because at, at the time it really seemed like Shima's product was going to be more palatable. And it's so funny now with the hindsight that we have and in the current landscape, we can really see Ultimo's vision of what wrestling is and what Shima's vision of wrestling is. And it's not that one of those is better than the other, but Gleet feels so different than Drangate. And I think that's so interesting because this is a show that even in the the balls on, on, you know, Drangate, if they would have done this and obviously they did not, but You know, a Tori reunion show run by Shima would have looked drastically different than this show. And I, it's not a a take of one's better than the other. I just think it's so interesting that now post-split with Ultima coming back into the fold, we know what his vision of wrestling is and we know what the other vision of wrestling is and where that can now take place.
1: Yeah, and... I I mean, you look at this, and you look at how they packaged the show. They had the original ring announcer, Punch Tahara, was there doing it. You led off with M2K, and then you immediately had the new generation kind of poke their heads in and fill out the card where it needed to be with with, uh, Z Brats, But you still really had—it was like a Tori show, and they just were the heel unit there. And then you had the standard comedy match. You had the trios match that was kind of lighthearted but broke down you had a kleptomaniac and then you and then you had the <laughs> ultimate match and the had the main event like like what to this like if other than names where people are in life and all of that you you dropped this card in 2002 and it's going to it might not be the same thing but it's going to be the same language you know
0: yeah no this was this was a very enjoyable experiment uh experience rather not an experiment because the first one was an experiment this was an experience uh let's talk about the pressing issue at hand naruki doi's baseball team talk about this angle on corkett hall and then the execution of it on this show
1: all right so after the uh gold class match on the second naruki doi Finally, Snap 2, realizing he had to pick a team for the next day. I mean, this match has been in the... This show has been in the books for well over a month. He is leaving his work until <laughs> until the last moment. Something that I both recognize and respect because I see it in myself. And he tried... He started quizzing everyone about if they played baseball growing up. First up was... Uh, was Shimizu. Shimizu said, yes, I played first base. Okay, you're first Shimizu. And then it was it was fuku it was fujiwara who said yeah i played baseball but i hurt my arm throwing baseball so i can't play baseball anymore could not get through to this the zoomer's head that he was not actually playing baseball that he was actually (laughs) wrestling as a baseball character could not get through it he got flabbergasted he went over to minarita minarita said yeah of course i played baseball but i played second base in case that's a problem if you're a naruki doi trying to fill out a a baseball team because naruki doi of course plays second base he's second doi and then finally, he went to Takashi Yoshida, who, like always, was just waiting to be picked and proudly stated that he was a catcher. Doi winced, and we had Doi starting three for the
0: Takashi Yoshida and Naruki Doi. It makes me sick to my stomach that I enjoy Yoshida's work as much as I do, but him being excluded from gold class and him being included in Team Doi's baseball team Two of my favorite moments in recent Dragon Gate history, because Yoshida has been so damn good in these moments.
1: It's just so much fun. Like the starting three was such like a great thing to do for one night, and then immediately break down. Like, oh it was
0: god, it was just it, that. That's exactly it. The fallout of, on the Toriyama reunion show was it was brilliant. It was so Naruki Doi.
1: It was so Naruki Doi, and we had Ho-Ho questioning if this was actually going to be a wrestling match. So that. That cracked me up there. And then, of course, in the post-match afterwards, uh, Doi turned on a Yoshi. You know I mean? That's in his nature. If you have Yoshi in your name, you're getting turned on by Naruki Doi. And then Koichiro, uh, Rai, they were going up against the Rai brothers, Koichiro Rai and his fake brothers, uh, Koichiro and Chuichiro. And after that, Gold Class ran out and had to defend Doi as Shimizu and Yoshida were pissed. And they said there would be no more fun and games with Gold Class going forward. And it seems like that they're going to be following Kaido Yoshida's uh, logic going forward.
0: Uh, Kaido Ishida's a man I trust. I, I have no issue with that direction in Gold Class.
1: But Case, that wasn't the most important match. It, it wasn't the first debut of a Dragon System second generation wrestler. The most boring match in this show was built on the fact because Don Fuji likes sealing things, and the night before he sold Dragon Die skateboard, and <sighs> he's one of the hundred greatest wrestlers of all time, and he put it on display this weekend. Case, what else do you want me to say? It's
0: just this promotion's just the best, like. I, I'm sorry, it it doesn't it doesn't do me any good. I have no skin in the game. I am not interested in a turf war of what promotion is better, but I'm sorry, Don Fuji riding a skateboard to the ring is better than what's happening at Noah, All Japan, AEW, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't know how to get, and I've said this before, the people of Reddit, the people that are like logged on to Squared Circle, I don't know how to reach them and say, This is the pinnacle of pro wrestling. It's Don Fuji riding a skateboard. But this deserves a bigger English-speaking audience.
1: Yeah, it's something that, I mean, they they promoted Gentleman Jervis for so long.
0: (laughs) A crime that is not forgivable. I'm not a man of capital punishment, but if you were positively posting about Jervis, oh, I would hide those receipts from me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's just something that, so I watched Norm Macdonald's final stand-up special this week, and you, you realize if you watch a lot of stand-up comedy, like certain people, that the, their approach to comedy is completely different than anyone else. Don Fuji's, like, awareness of himself is... Phenomenal and understanding, like coming out wearing a Baklava and a giant pink uh, crew neck dragon gate shirt, and everyone immediately knowing it was him. But this, this body language trying to be mysterious had me cracking up. Like, like that is just comedy 101 out of Don Fujin. That's why I think that's why I sincerely think he's one of the hundred best wrestlers of all time because he's, he's able to delve into understanding how comedy operates and then have a brutal match where he beats up someone half his age.
0: I've said before he is on near the top of the list of guys. I would really like to sit down. Like Chuck Taylor once said he was doing a shoot interview and he was talking about low key and evolve and how difficult low key was to deal with. And, and Taylor brought up an interesting point. He said, I would love to sit down and just ask low key. Okay. To you, what is professional wrestling? Like what is the desired outcome? And, it is the polar opposite of what low key is. But in the same way, I would really like to sit down and have Don Fuji explain to me how for 25 years now, he has been on the cusp of brilliant, if not brilliant, throughout his entire career. And it's, you know, I really feel the same way about Cosmo Sakamoto just because he's been so world traveled. But yeah, I, Fuji is, and I, I do not mean this as a as a hyperbole, he is a brilliant pro wrestler in all aspects of the game.
1: And that's what we had built up here. I mean, very simple stuff. Don fuji has been a Club of the Maniac for 25 years. He saw a skateboard, thought it was a surfboard, remembered him stealing a surfboard for Kiki Horikuchi, and decided to take it. And then Di- Dragon Die is infuriated because he loves his skateboard. That's all. I just described it in two sentences case, and they had instantly one of the more compelling things that they, they're getting in a Puesa's match out of this thing <laughs> because so they had this match. Basically Don Fuji was just completely uh, able to fluster dragon. Daya was able to attack him and just kind of was completely off his game. And then Daya cut a promo afterwards, demanding the skateboards return way another match. Don Fuji wouldn't do it unless there was something at stake. He offered his hair up. Ryo Saito, who has, a lot of familiarity and dealing with Don Fuji stealing things, try to talk him out of it. But then they booked it. It's a lucha de Apuestas. Caballera Contra Skateboard on July 7th. And GM Rio Saito, he's so pained to see a young man going through what all he went through before. And he said, I will be the special guest referee to make sure you don't go through what I went."
0: It should be terrific. I am really, really excited for the outcome of that match.
1: And I think pretty much uh, unless unless you really had a bunch of thoughts about the comedy attack with the uh, uh, with uh, skate with a uh, bike rider, Rio Saito and Kanjiro Matsuyama, I don't really have a whole lot of other things that happen on the show.
0: Let me ask you this of the non. Full time Dragon Gate wrestlers of the guys that were just returning to the fold for this show, who impressed you the most?
1: It's the person who impresses me every time I see him. It's Masahiro Takanashi.
0: Oh, I, I do like him. Yeah, I... He's,
1: go ahead. He's so good. He's Yeah, so he good. really is. I really wish, like, I know that through Torimon X and all that, like, it landed the way it did for him. I wish he stuck around.
0: Yeah, I, I, I feel that way a lot of times about uh, Toru Nohashi, who newer Dragon 8 fans would probably not know as R. but rather the guy that assistant to Kuma Fujiwara in his middle school career day at the at the Michinoku Pro Dojo. Um, I like I like Nohashi a lot. I thought Chango in that opening match was a lot of fun.
1: That was the most I've enjoyed Chango. I asked for Chango in my last review for volume one. I asked for Chango never to see again. That's the fun. thing.
0: I had to question myself because you know I'm I'm not exactly a regular 2AW viewer and he's not a guy that works any place that I watch frequently. And I, I was like, wait, and a he place
1: reputable. Let's be honest here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, wait, I kind of thought he sucked. Like, I, I feel like I've never seen his name next to a compliment, but he was so much fun in that opening match.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's something that, I, and this was a point I wanted to make before we moved on In 2020, they were able to do the reunion show in January before COVID. So you were able to bring people in with this. They were not able to bring in everyone who you'd think they would want to bring in for this. And they had to fill out the card with the Dragon Gate guys, younger guys there. But you still gotta see things like Masahiro Takanashi looking great, Chango for like Chango for like the first time ever, not uh depressing me immensely. And yeah, Tarunohashi is just great. You know, like, he's a busy man. He helps run Michinoku Pro. He helps middle schoolers find their dreams. But I, <laughs> I'd like to see him back around more often.
0: Yeah, Nohashi no Hashi rocks. I really like his work.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I did not know about Tadisuke until this. No, I don't think I did either. So Tadesuke, uh originally was a part of the class that kind of, like, At least I'll say, I did not know the whole story behind this class up until recently. He is a contemporary in the dragon system of Shingo Takagi, BB, Hulk, and Akira Tozawa.
0: And uh, one of those things is not like the other. With all due respect to Tadasuke, I don't know if I've ever enjoyed his work, but I did not know he was a part of that class until now
1: yeah yeah uh i you notice i didn't bring up Katsuo as a part of that class <laughs> so, you, you, you know you do a podcast with someone and you want to make sure that you, you, you leave them fat balls over the plate and yeah that was the toy Mon reunion maybe we'll get another one next year who knows what government mandates ultimo dragon will try to break
0: oh el Gio de dosanto case he got announced to coming to Kobe world this year okay you were grumpy about this and i don't understand why i, I wasn't grumpy you I, were
1: grumpy I, about this I I think sometimes my grumpiness because I'm naturally kind of a prickly person, my grumpiness or, or my general countenance or when things amuse me. Some people take that as negativity. I'm very amused that El Hijo del Santo is going to be there. But I'm also I, I'm also pretty certain that no one that very few of the native fans know who El Hijo del Santo is.
0: I'm not surprised by it. I was expecting a big name and Santo certainly fits that bill. Maybe it's just because I really, really want to see Santo wrestle in person before he retires, and I i don't know if I'm going to get that opportunity, so I'm just excited to see him make tape when he does. I think this is super cool. I don't care if no one in Kobe knows who he is. I think it's super cool that he's going to be on these shows, and I'm really excited to see what he does.
1: Yeah, I like, i I'll be honest, I've not seen a modern santo match like after like a certain point when he started doing Toto Sex todos and just not televised or just only pops up on stuff that is a uh, third party or shows up on like mas lucha's youtube channel you don't see a whole lot of them so i'm like fascinated to see like you bring in you, you bring in probably like one of like a handful of the biggest lucha libre stars of all time who do you match up with him with this like obviously he's gonna be doing stuff of ultimo but there's a part of me that's like how about uh let's see how he does with uh big boss shimizu i want to see that
0: (laughs) look look i'm paying good money to get shimizu in some legendary lucha eight-man tag because i think realistically you'll have that's when you know there's silas booking the company (laughs) that's That's when you know thank you thank you um you know you'll you'll probably get you know maybe ultimo and santo versus Genki and Dragon Kid or something. I expect those kind of names be involved. I mean, I, I I discussed it a few months ago. I watched that Santo and Ultimo versus Shocker and El Hijo Del Fishman match from WrestleMania weekend. And, you know, Santo's obviously not what he was 40 years almost into his career, but he can still move around. I don't think he's going to embarrass himself on these shows.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not afraid about this. This is not like bringing in Dos Caras now oh
0: god our
1: moma oh, scares oh, basically the whole entire karis fan
0: dos caris even on that 2006 kobe world so uh kobe world show sucked shit um although he did that kobe world show is interesting it's dos Karis versus bb hulk and Karis does a tope suicido that the crown of his head hits bb hulk square in the jaw and I bet, if you ask Hulk, a man who has broken his neck, who has had countless shoulder injuries, I bet that Tope Suicida has hurt worse than any of those. Because there is a slow-motion replay on the live pay-per-view feed, and you see this old-ass luchador first right into his jaw, and it looks so unbelievably painful.
1: I, I mean, that's what Tope is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a headbutt. It like is. He's-
0: it is gnarly. I mean, it looks so... It looks. It's a great tope. It's the high spot of the match because everything else was bad. But oh my god, that had to suck so much.
1: Yeah, that just... Yeah, I mean... But he was like two years in the business. I mean, Dos Karras isn't going to show you any respect until you cross the 50-year mark. Uh, <laughs> I, but Before I move on, I am staring at the announcement photo of Ultimo and Hio. And it's tremendous that del Santo was was gifted like a WBC belt, like the boxing <laughs> organization.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was like
1: wrestling ambassador, and he wears it around everywhere. He's he's still recognized as a WBC champ.
0: Mike, I I searched El Gil del Santo on YouTube so I could I could remember the names of that Martinez promotions match, and it has led me to a video, apparently from Palo Alto, Pennsylvania, which sounds like a fake place april 15th 2000 I, I know what this is i already know what this is santo versus quackenbush are you aware of this match taking place yes
1: yes i am uh that was fwa which was a turn of the century uh kind of super indie that existed that brought in Heel de santo and quack was like crazy injured going to the match and he got very depressed and he wrote about it in one of his <laughs> books when i care about jakara i read it i read him talk about it and he was a real sad boy about that match
0: uh, that is getting watched as soon as we hang up on this call because <laughs> i just i was just unaware that this match took place and i find it to be very very interesting
1: yeah no i don't blame you on that oh but before we start talking about other topics i, I should say since we didn't say this earlier the the toy monitor union show will be up on the network until the 10th it has english and japanese commentary it's really worth listening to the English commentary for Jay and Ho-Ho just dealing with the show, Ryoto, uh, Mochizuki Jr., all of that. And King of Gate Finals will be up on the network until the ninth. The so there's a lot of stuff up there. I mean, they are not taking off the month before, <laughs> but before Kobe World at all. But that was not the only shows that happened last week in case. Let's talk a little bit about this Kobe Sambo Hall show and the new unit that came out of it.
0: Yes, yeah, so let's talk about this new unit first, a Kobe exclusive unit. Mike, explain to the folks what is going on in Kobe. So
1: for a while, the big talk since Jason Lee joined Natural Vibes was that they were going to get a Hong Kong unit because you had Jason Lee, yeah, Jason Lee, of course. And then he apologized to Ho-Ho Loon and Ho-Ho being a, a gracious person. It's like, hey, we're back to being close friends. Let's team again. And then Jackie kamei pointed out hey everyone thinks i'm from hong kong why don't we do a hong kong trio and everyone was like yeah sure yeah sure but the kung fu masters debuted in kobe with Ho's best friend and that is the returning super shenlong three
0: this rocks i am into this unit as a kobe exclusive i thought their main event match here did you give a star rating to the kobe main event
1: let me page over to that i had it at a uh, three and a half
0: okay i was at three and three quarters you could have talked me into four stars if you were that high on it but i see i was a little higher on it than you really fun unit Ho Ho is such an interesting wrestler because he's you know he's not exactly a natural in the same way that an sb kento or a Fujiwara or even his contemporary jason lee is but drangate does have a knack for getting the most out of their guys. And he is consistently being placed in opportunities to win. And he has this back and forth going with SP Kento right now, where he keeps on pinning SP Kento. And I, I think that's a great story to tell. That is keeping me engaged on these Kobe shows. I really like this main event. I love the concept for this unit. I love that we get a, a weird return of Super Shenlong. Like, this is just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and it's something that, I mean... They have to run Kobe so often, and you know the attendance in Kobe has been pretty strong, or, or at least it's been stable to strong. So having something like this that's exclusively to Kobe, I, I it adds a little something to it. And you know, uh, seeing Super Shenlong three for the first time in almost eight, in almost ten years, that was a shock. I did not see that coming. I thought we were going to, I thought they were going to put a student under a mask. Instead, we got a return of an Akatsuki original.
0: Yes, which uh, Jay outed on Twitter, so we can say that's Yosuke Santa Maria. If people were unaware uh, before, Yosuke was Yosuke. She was Super Shenlong, and that is what we reverted back to. Yeah, yeah. I, I no,
1: that's public knowledge even beforehand. Like because after Shenlong got unmasked, uh, Yosuke wrestled as Yosuke Watanabe, the former Super Shenlong Three.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I should note on this show real quick, we talked last week, or whenever the last Kobe show was, I don't remember when that was, about the uh, the autograph line for Benske and how it was notably uh, scarce in attendance. I, I should note that the person that was uh, in the building at this show said that there was a high-end autograph session of Yamato Benke and, quote, someone else It was too crowded for me to see, and the inclusion of Yamato – Uh, Ended up turning the high-end autograph queue into, or uh, the high-end autograph line, to Americanize that, into a pretty crowded space. So it's not the end of the world for high-end, but maybe this Bensuke team means far more to English speakers than it does Japanese fans.
1: And maybe, you know, Yamato maybe had some new samples. We haven't (laughs) seen a new recipe coming out of the licensed food coordinator in a long time.
0: Maybe Yamato's very, very popular, and sometimes this podcast in particular might undersell that.
1: Yeah, no, that, that that is true. That is very true. And then also on Kobe, did you did you check out the future match?
0: I uh, yes, I did. I I have determined it is really hard for me to have takes on future matches because they are all very they are all very fun, but I that is that is as far as my analysis goes. Th- it is very fun and you should go watch it.
1: Yeah, and the two guys, Yoshiki Kato and Takuma uh and I can't read my handwriting right here. Nishikawa. Nishikawa, Takuma Nishikawa, a little bit bigger. Like, big that, was my one, that, was, yeah. that was my takeaways, were that uh, Nishikawa, he's a big boy. You know, he's got some heft to him and some size.
0: Yeah, I like it. I, again, I'm, I'm very bullish on the future. The fact that they've got... H- how many kids were in this future class? Like, I think they've got another five, and one of them was Mochizuki Jr., so yeah. it just it never stops with them. It never stops, and it is incredible to see.
1: Yeah, this is really a exciting time to really if you're like how we are and you love watching young wrestlers progress and you know learn the trade this is a exciting time to be a dragon gate fan because gosh i feel like they're up to like two dozen future matches now on the dragon gate network like if you're really into this stuff dragon gate has you covered right
0: and if you're an international fan there's a chance that dragon gate wrestlers might be coming to a town near you
1: yeah, so let's get into this. The uh, big thing also coming from Kobe was the fact that after a match with Ultimo Dragon, La Estrella, and Takuma Fujiwara, they have announced that Torimon Moncasa is ready to take people in and that the two first people that will be sent over that they might already be in Mexico City right now are La Estrella and Takuma Fujiwara, and that's not all.
0: I know at least Astrea had dinner with Dragon Dia the night before we recorded this, so I believe he's saying his goodbyes and will jet off to Mexico sometime soon. Let's see, how do I want to tackle this? Yes, Astrea and Fujiwara are going to Mexico. I will say we have strong reason to believe that they will be joined by at least one member of the roster at some point soon. Uh, Mike and I have seen some, some text back and forth I think there's something getting lost in translation there. There's something a little bit fishy that I'm not ready to put my name on. But Fujiwara and Estrella are going to Mexico. They will be joined more than likely by at least one more roster member. And I know for a fact that there are American promoters getting contacted about bringing in Estrella and Fujiwara. So hopefully they are not, uh, not only able to work in Mexico, but also America as well.
1: It's also worth noting and just throwing it out there. Uh, our DMs are open if you're a promoter and you're trying to figure stuff out with these guys. We we can supply some matches. I'd be matches. more, more than
0: happy to. Yes, I I, have, I contacted a promoter this week and said, hey, my man, <laughs> what's going on? I should note, not all promoters that have been contacted are interested in booking Fujiwara and Lastrea as there is a very uh, notable, influential promoter that <laughs> was sent footage of both of these guys, and the response back was, I saw the tape you sent me. this I, We did not contact this guy. This is from a third party. I saw the tape you sent me, was not impressed with either one, and that fucking rocks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but hey, if you want to have... If you want to partake in your promoter and one of the most spectacular rookie years <laughs> in recent memory,
0: you, you could get one up
1: on that promoter.
0: <laughs> that
1: apparently is going to pass it by. But, oh, yeah,
0: that is so good. That is so good. It, that, rules. Uh, <laughs> it rules. It rules. It rules. Yeah, I saw both of them. Eh, not interested. Okay, all right. No, go go back to booking who you were booking.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I'm looking at a run sheet case and I think we covered just about everything. Was there anything? Oh, there's one last
0: thing. Uh, do you think we have time to talk about this? I have nothing to say on it. So, yeah, you, you have the floor.
1: So it was announced uh, through the OWE English fan Twitter account that OWE has dissolved. A lot of the wrestlers, because of how China is right now, especially in Shanghai, are locked down. They really have not put on any sort of what I would consider a real wrestling show from OWE in China before COVID. But like, and I think that's something that we really, that I really want to hammer home. And I will be talking a lot more about this in on my other platforms over the next few days. But just kind and g- of a, give
0: those platforms a plug, please.
1: Oh uh, yeah. If you if you follow Twitter at Spears Ovations, or if you go to Twitch TV slash Spears Ovations about twelve thirty Eastern time on Wednesdays, we'll be talking all about this, and I'll be talking a lot more about this. But Owe, I mean they technically count the strong hearts shows as owe on cage match but they really have not run shows inside of china proper in almost three years this was going to happen and it was going to happen with COVID or without from the the, the state of things and it does seem that uh, the, the one thing that i cared about when i found out that this shut down it does appear i don't know but it does appear that the wrestlers who were under those really long-term contracts it seems that they're able to move on in life and not be held to that contract which is good
0: it's it's a bizarre story it's one that you know i think 10 years from now we're probably gonna continuously have people ask us about this because their impact was so short but so intense with the AEW relationship, proposed relationship especially, but their legacy to me will be May 4th, 2018, that last Dragon Gate show that Shima was on, the second to last show that uh, Dragon Gate show that T-Hawk was on, and that tag match of Shima and uh, Gao Jingja versus Scorpio X2 and T-Hawk. I, I've, I've never seen a professional wrestling match that looked like that, and I I love the potential of what could have been and i'm disappointed that this is the end of the road but if they get out of those long-term contracts then congratulations to them
1: and it does seem that a couple of the owe kids are still staying in wrestling so i know gao was one of the ones that that was working with some of the other chinese wrestling promotions but I'll, i'll talk about this more in depth and what this means about like wrestling emerging scenes like this like china again kind of falling flat for wrestling promotions it, th- there's a lot of things there that i personally find very very interesting about this that i i, I don't want owe to be forgotten and then brought back up in 10 years i it, it, it's something that even though it had its brief moment i felt like that it deserves more than just to kind of just go away because one random fan account tweeted about it and that was it i felt like that it, it deserved to have more to talk about because for for a moment, it felt like it was going to be big
0: oh we we discussed on this podcast. i I very specifically remember chastising ATA, his effort, and the main point of that being he could be in Shanghai if he wanted to right now, but he did not work hard enough. And it is tough if you're somebody that that came into Drangate gate during the pandemic or you know with English commentary, even by that point, English commentary, kobe world twenty nineteen. The first year of the split, the consensus within this bubble, and I don't want to speak for everybody, the consensus in this bubble was, damn, Shima's going to win again. Gate, nice little promotion, they've got their guys, but Shima's going to win again. And for a brief moment in time, it looked like the influence of owe could take over the wrestling world and and again what we really have is that that may 4th 2018 match which is unfortunately not on the dragon gate network i know it's been online at various points on daily motion and on on the russian website so if you can track it down and you've never seen it i highly recommend it
1: yeah and the the first owe show like the one from 2018 that had the dragon gate guys like that there's still versions of that that are floating out there uh i never bothered with the fight shows that they had in cambodia it just at that point i was like all right really no i don't
0: need, i don't i didn't even know there was footage of those i knew they happened oh. but i never saw video of them they streamed those live on fight tv case <laughs> i've missed that my bad i'm supposed to, i'm supposed to cover all Court of the dragon no. system. i missed that that's my bad <laughs> uh
1: you're better off you're better <laughs> you
0: Just
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just like a wild thing. Like I'm right now looking at that first show, the main event of Shima, Gao Jing Java, defeat Desmond Xavier, Shingo Takagi, and Zachary Wentz.
0: That's what a time. That's insane. That match was. There's that there was that Masaki Mochizuki versus A-Ben match on that right. show. And A Ben was uh basically their ben k knockoff kind of dollar store ben k but could do like a tope and i remember that match being well, very fun as well his tope wasn't really
1: a tope and that was the crazy <laughs> thing about it. his tope basically was him to crowd dive
0: it, it was it was more akin to a stage dive you're right than a than an actual tope and then you have the you have the weird stuff where you know christopher daniels and kazarian went over there and there's footage of those guys it, it's a very strange story that you know I, you, you were as close uh, with anybody on this stuff. I mean, you had the scoop, again, before anybody else that there was going to be a, an OWE split from Gate. You knew that. You reported that before anybody else. And like I said, I think this is something that, although the promotion is dead, the story of this promotion will not die. And I, I think, you know, five, six, seven years from now, we're still going to have people go, whatever happened to those kids in China, which is a very interesting thing. I
1: I do wonder what's going to happen with all those random shows that Shima shot in like an an art gallery on his iPad.
0: Oh God, that's right! I forgot about the twitcasting shows.
1: Yeah, I, I it's kind of interesting how Gleet kind of came out of this. I'm like looking at like one of the last ones they had, and you already have like Kawakami showing up there, and you're like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense.
0: And this is you know I Owe Japan was a very interesting thing that could have gone one way or another. And I, I believe we've said this on the show before. If not, I think enough distance has passed to where we feel comfortable saying it. We can talk about that. But the first OWE Japan show, which was, I believe December 30th, 2019 was supposed to have Kenny Omega on it, and there was reason to believe that the Young Bucks at one point were also booked for that show, and obviously that doesn't happen. And a show with Omega alone, but also with the Bucks, you know, the idea of OWE probably just isn't going to work out just logistically. There's too many things going wrong with it, but OWE Japan could have had a longer life and stronger legs had the debut show Happened differently had those guys shown up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, because I think it did. It did blow a thousand that Corrigan show, but I think it's. I'm not exaggerating when if you said yeah, Kenny Omega's first match back in Japan or first match back in Tokyo happening there, and then the Young Bucks' first match in Japan since leaving New Japan, but like going the Elite versus Strong Hearts up top, that would have sold out Corrigan, and I think that I don't know necessarily if that would have extended the lifespan of owe because the money was not going back to owe from the shows but owe japan as a presence would have existed much longer and it wouldn't have shifted straight into strong hearts and then strong hearts jumping to gleet in my opinion if that happened
0: and, and on that show they ended up with takashita as one of the special guests and he wrestled t-hawk in a singles match and i don't know this for sure i never saw any of the booking plans but you would have to think that Omega versus T-Hawk was going to be in that spot. And then they ended up with strong uh, the strong BJ team, Sakamoto and Okabayashi, as special guests as well, and they were in the main event. So it's a, you know, to steal another term from Bill Simmons, I took the body language doctor from him earlier, but it's a sliding glass doors moment of what could have been had you had Omega on these shows. Because from everything that was said publicly, the fact that Omega did a Singapore tour with Stronghearts there's reason to believe that Omega believed in this product, but again, logistical issues in China and then getting these guys out of China proved to be too much.
1: Yeah, uh, he showed up at like because before they had the Cork and Hall show, they had like a couple shows like in Fukuoka and at, and at, at like Shinjuku Face. Like he showed up to one of them. Like Kenny Omega was being built up there. Like like that's not conjecture. That's not scoops. That's what was happening, and he was really involved with it and the one last thing i think really to say about owe is owe did not fail because of owe in my opinion owe was never going uh, like now i think of hindsight it, the, the deck was stacked against owe ever really becoming something more than owe japan and just various different things throughout its like short time period made it near impossible for owe to be what owe wanted to be And it was not anything that OWA did. It just was a reality situation.
0: It will go down as one of my favorite what could have been in wrestling history, and I think that is the proper legacy of OWA.
1: Yeah, and I think that's it for us this week, Case. Unless you had anything else, I'm looking right now. Case did like a great run sheet for this week's episode because he knew that I am way too scattered at this point <laughs> of my life, so we did this there. I think we covered anything. Was there anything else you want to hit on before we got out of here?
0: I That's got to be it. I can't imagine there's anything we didn't talk about.
1: Yep, that's going to do it. As we mentioned before, they, they will be back on the network this weekend with three shows from across Fukuoka, we have one on Saturday, two on Sunday. A lot of Riku Dragon uh, participation on there because next week we are going to Okinawa live, case. And that will be really fun things to watch on the lead-up to Kobe World.
0: Gotta wonder if Yamato's is going to make it to Okinawa or not.
1: I mean, you, I, I would be looking over his shoulder if I was him at Gurken <laughs> Mask. <laughs> because we know at this point that Yamato is the person that picks up the bill at the end of the night. And maybe, I mean, Gurken Mask was using him to get the promotion. Maybe he was.
0: Good stuff. I love it. I'm looking forward to those Okinawa shows.
1: Me too. But That's going to be it for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Cases underscore in your case. I'm Matt Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back to you next week talking about the triple header in, Fuku- in, Fu- in Fukuoka. Take care, everyone.